The first reading may be found on page 237 of the New Testament section of the Church Bibles. It is taken from 1 John chapter 3 verses 1 to 10. See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. What we will be has not yet been revealed. What we do know is this. When he is revealed, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. And all those who have this hope in him may purify themselves, just as he is pure. Everyone who commits sin is guilty of lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he was revealed to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has either seen him nor known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Everyone who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. Everyone who commits a sin is a child of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The Son of God was revealed for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born of God do not sin, because God's seed abides in them. They cannot sin because they have been born of God. The children of God and the children of, is, of the devil are revealed in this way. All who do not do what is right are not from God, nor are those who do not love their brothers and sisters. This is the word of the Lord. Please stand for the Gospel reading. This may be found on page 88 of the New Testament section of the Church Bibles. It is taken from John chapter 1, verses 29 to 34. Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. The next day he saw Jesus coming towards him, and declared, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptise with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptises with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Let us pray together. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. See what love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. This letter of 1 John that we've been journeying through in recent weeks is a letter from a spiritual father to his spiritual children. 
In fact, 14 times in 1 John, in 105 verses, the word child or children or little children comes up. We see this today in our own passage in verse 1, verse 2, verse 7 and verse 10, page 237. This language of being children of God fills the letter. And in fact, so too the language of being born of God. You'll see that in verse 9. And again, it's been a theme in pretty much every chapter of the book, this idea that we are born of God. And so 1 John, as we're journeying through, hopefully it's been a reassuring letter for us who know and trust Christ. A spiritual father writing to spiritual children so that they will know that they are God's children. So that chapter 1, they will know what it means to walk in the light, to be honest about sin, to not cover it up or excuse it or hide it away, but to come into the light. And in chapter 2, as we heard from Phil, to walk in love, love towards our brothers and sisters in God's family. And then last week with Stephen Hunter, we learnt that God's children walk in the truth. They continue to believe in God's only Son, even when others around them, or perhaps even within the church, begin to move away from that. And so today, we consider in 1 John 3 what it means to be children of God and to bear the family likeness. Think about your own family tree. Who is it in your family whose looks, whose appearance, whose mannerisms, whose attitudes, whose actions do you copy or inadvertently follow? Think about those younger. Where can you see a chip off the old block? Diane Barth, a New York-based psychotherapist and psychoanalyst, said almost all children sound and act like their parents at some time and in some way. Both biological and social interactions can lead you to pick up some of your parents' characteristic ways of interacting with the world. And I'm, of course, I'm conscious as I say that, that for some of us to be like our family has actually been a very painful thing. To bear the family likeness is a source of sorrow. But in God's family, to bear the family likeness is only a source of joy and love and of life. And so how do we know that we're children of God? How do you know that you're a child of your parents? Well, think about it in life. How do you know there's the birth document that says your name in full, your parents, perhaps their occupation, where you were born, the date? That's objective knowledge, isn't it? That's evidence that you've got somewhere perhaps in a dusty file somewhere in the loft. But how else do you know what family you belong to? Well, you bear the family likeness, don't you? Whether we like it or not, in ways that we appreciate, in ways that we wish we'd rather not, we are like those who came before us. And it's the same in our passage today. That objective, official documentation as we hear of the Father's love. And then that family likeness, that subjective experience in our own life that we bear the family likeness as God's children. So come with me to chapter 3 and verse 1. Here again, the Father's love, that official declaration, your document as it were. Verse 1, see what love the Father has given us 
that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. There's a command at the beginning of chapter 3. See, consider, look, behold, think about it. Think about that love of your heavenly Father for you. Think about what that has made you, an adopted child of God. Think about your new name. Once you were not a child of God, and now if you believe in his Son, you are. Do you remember those words spoken of the Lord Jesus Christ at his baptism? This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Well, God the Father speaks those words over each and every one of his children whom he loves. And adoption, of course, is the choice of parents, not the child. I read this week of a family who had the privilege of adopting a little girl, four years old, called Grace. The family decided freely of their own choice to adopt her. It was nothing that she had done No merit in her own life, nothing she'd done to deserve this privilege, but on 20th of February, 1992, Grace joined a new family. And as they went to the law courts in Chicago to have the hearing officially declared, the judge said that Grace was now part of a new family. A new name, a new status, a new home, a new family. And the parents received that documentation. Grace, in time, could go back and have a look at that documentation. The child received this as a free and undeserved gift. For Grace, it was all grace. And it's the same for each of us. Jim Packer, a great Christian leader of the last century, wrote in his classic book, Knowing God, this about adoption. Father, he wrote, is the Christian name for God. Our understanding of Christianity cannot be better than our understanding of adoption. Adoption, he wrote, is the highest privilege of the gospel. The traitor is forgiven, brought in for supper, and given the family name. To be right with God the judge is a great thing, but to be loved and cared for by God the Father is greater. See what love the Father has lavished, has shown, has poured upon you and I, that we should be called children of God. And so when someone asks you, are you a Christian, I wonder what you say. I remember a friend from an old church, a dear lady, served many years on the PCC. When she was asked that question, she was honest enough to tell me, she said, well, I hope I'm a good enough Christian. I, I, I try hard, she said. And she confided in me that she had no assurance that she truly was God's child, only anxiety. And yet, do you see what these words say to us? We can know that we are children of God and when you're in a family you're either in a family or not it's not about trying to be in the Oatridge family trying to be in the Slade family you are in the Oatridge family whether you like it or not you're in the Slade family for all the joys and privileges that brings 
You are a child of God if you have been adopted into God's family. And this gift is available to all who believe and receive the Son. Do you remember those famous words from the prologue of John's Gospel? To all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or the husband's will, but born of God. So how do we know this morning that we're children of God? How can we be reminded, reassured, that we are God's children? Well, firstly, we see the Father's love. That official, objective document that has been written in history with his Son's own blood. You have been bought. You have been brought into the very family of God and bosom of his Father. But secondly, and in fact where this chapter and chapter 3 spends most of its time, we know we're family of God because we bear the family likeness. God's likeness is seen in our lives. I mean, think of four-year-old Grace back in 1992 when she was adopted. When do you think she began to adopt the mannerisms, the actions, the attitudes, the family quirks of her new family? It wouldn't have happened immediately. But over time, slowly but surely, she bore the family likeness. She became what she was. She didn't grow in family likeness to become part of the new family. She was in the family. She had been adopted many years before. But now being in the family enabled her to bear the family likeness. And did you hear those words? They were very, very stark. You knew if you were listening because you probably found them very confusing and slightly troubling. Verse 9, did you hear it? Those who have been born of God do not sin, because God's seed abides in them. They cannot sin because they have been born of God. Verse 6, no one who abides in him sins. No one who has seen him, no one who has, I beg your pardon, no one who sins has either seen him or known him. Now, 1 John, as I've said, is a letter full of reassurance from a spiritual father to spiritual children. So now, why does John seem to raise the bar so high that it's impossible? Those who have been born of God do not sin. They cannot sin. I mean, we, we have done confession. And we did confession last week. And we did confession the week before. And if you're here next week, we'll do confession then. Has the church forever got this wrong? Are we meant to not any more sin? How are we meant to feel and think about these verses? Well, on the one hand, if it's literally true, then none of us are Christians. I am not a Christian. I cannot be a child of God if it's literally true in the words there. Unless, of course, there's another explanation for these verses. It's been said that a text without a context is a con. And so those words in chapter 3, if we were to go back just a chapter before, John has said something very specifically about sin and about the reality of sin in the believer's life. I wonder if you remember it. Chapter 1, verse 8, he said, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Verse 10 of chapter 1, he said, if we say we have not sinned, we call God a liar. So John's unlikely to contradict himself just a few sentences later, is he? And then in chapter 2, verse 1, if anyone does sin, 
If the child of, of God does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And so I think what's going on in chapter 3 is not individual instances of sin, which all Christians do. It's talking about that habitual, ongoing resistance to God and going your own way. That's what I think John is saying. And John's saying, look, the one born of God, the one with God's seed in him or her, cannot persist in that sort of rebellion and that old life because God is in them. I mean, think about it. As believers, we don't only have adoption, new family, new name, new home, new belonging. We have new DNA. God's seed, God's nature, God's life. The very Spirit of God lives within his children. And so think about seeds. I'm not a gardener, but I've been told that in February, some of the seeds that are good for planting are cabbages, broccolis, cauliflowers, celery, onions and leeks, herbs like basil or parsley, thyme and sage. What does the cabbage seed produce? Well, even I know it produces cabbages. What does a celery produce? It produces celery. What does leeks produce? Leeks. And there's a mystery, isn't there, to how life grows. When you leave today, you'll see the beautiful snowdrops. You'll see the shoots of the daffodils beginning. There is a mystery to how life grows. But slowly and surely, life does emerge. Growth, transformation happens. And the likeness to the seed is sure. Well, think about our family likeness. If the seed of God is within us, if the Spirit of God lives in his people, which he does, then the likeness to God shows. It's a mystery. It takes time. It isn't always evident. But in the end, it's unmistakable. And so, we become pure, verse 3, as Jesus is pure. We do right, verse 7 and verse 10, as he, Jesus, is right. Not perfectly, not completely. There are ups and there are downs. Think of Grace, the four-year-old child. Some days she wouldn't have borne the family likeness. Perhaps aspects of her old life that she was still struggling to move on from held her. But sure enough, Grace, over the years, from 1992 bore the new family likeness. And when we fail, and we all fail as God's children, we're not to assume then that being better and doing the family likeness thing will suddenly get us back in God's good books. Do you remember? Chapter 3, verse 1, we begin with the Father's love. Many of us will have family photo albums at home charting the development of life, perhaps for ourselves, our friends, our family, over many, many decades. And if you look at those and dust them down, you see family likenesses over the generations. I wonder this morning, if you're a child of God, as you cast your mind's eye over decades of life, where is it that you see the encouragement of the family likeness in your life? Where is it that you've seen the hidden, mysterious, but unmistakable work of God making you more like his son? 
in 1 John, that's particularly expressed in our love for one another. I wonder if you can see areas in your life where once you were more irritable than you are now. You might still be sometimes. Now you love another where you found it easier to judge previously, but you still judge sometimes. Now you're more likely to say an encouraging and kind remark rather than put someone down, but you still do sometimes. I wonder where in your life you have seen and are seeing and still see the family likeness displayed. And in God's family, when we struggle to see it, we return to the Father's love. We see again his love poured out for us. For we are family of God, children of God, not because we bear the family likeness. We are family of God and therefore, as a result of, we bear the family likeness. And I'm conscious that this morning some of us may feel crushed as we consider whether or not we do bear the family likeness of God and his son. Some of us might feel encouraged. Some of us might, if we're honest, be complacent. We, we don't really care at the moment about bearing the family likeness. We just come and go to church. We know we're children of God. And there is a warning there in verse 7 to not be deceived. Those who are children of God will show it in their lives. And let me say, if you're confused, if you're a child of God, perhaps you're complacent, perhaps you feel crushed, maybe you feel encouraged, comforted, that you see the family likeness. Well, whichever of those categories you feel you might fall into, or indeed more than one, realise that the best for the family of God is yet to come. Verse 2. We know that when we see him, when we see the Lord Jesus, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. Let us pray. See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Our Heavenly Father, we worship you and praise you and give you thanks for such a love which would bring people like us to the very home of the Father. And we thank you for every evidence in our life of your seed and spirit changing us to be more like your Son. And we simply ask for more of it, for your strength and help to know your love and to bear your likeness. And this we pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen.